Hello and welcome to Office Hours, a theater podcast. First podcast episode with a title. How's it feel? Everyone feeling good? Jazzed about that? I feels great. I'm I'm excited about <laughs> now. Finally, have a title <laughs> since this is yeah. our third episode. Yeah, it was a little awkward for a while. Just kind of had to ignore it and hope nobody noticed. <laughs> uh, I'm sure for those listening, it'll be presented as a podcast with a title. It won't go up unlisted, but obviously we recorded some things in advance. My name is Michael, and I'm joined, as always, by Aries and Josh. Today we're going to be talking about pursuing a theater degree during the pandemic. Obviously, by now you've seen a lot about students going back to school. You've seen a lot about them partying as well and getting sent back home, (laughs) but we will not cover that. We'll mostly talk about what it's like to have to try and learn in a discipline that's a lot about contact, communication, when you don't have that opportunity. Now, obviously, myself and Aries have been graduated for over a year now. Josh, you have a little experience because you did have to deal with the spring semester during the pandemic, but of course you graduated as well. And thus, we've actually brought in two very special guests, friends of ours, and of course people who are still actively pursuing a theater degree during this pandemic, during this time. So first up, we are going to welcome Jasmine Liu. Jasmine, go ahead and say a quick welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) All right. Exactly as I said. You can't be mad about that. She did exactly as I said. That's right. And we will also be joined by Lulu. Lulu, how are you feeling? I'm doing great. How are y'all? I'm all right. Aries, how are you? Excited to have you all here. We just touch everybody. Excited to be here. Mm-hmm. All right. And just to start, give people a little background about y'all. What are you doing and where do you go to school? So what degrees are you pursuing, degree or degrees? And of course, where do you attend? I guess if you're comfortable sharing that, actually, we didn't go over whether or not people would feel comfortable. None of us are popular. So theoretically, it should be fine. <laughs> but I don't know. Just give them a little about what you're studying. Jasmine, you can go first again. I am getting a major in theater with a minor in education and a hopeful minor in Spanish. And I go to Ohio Wesleyan University. I'm currently a senior theater major and film minor at Ohio Wesleyan. I am currently on campus. So a call full of people from Ohio Wesleyan, which of course makes the most sense. That's who we know, because that's where we went to. Of course, we went and got our friends. So to open up this topic and get something that Josh can touch on a little bit as well, I actually want to go back to that spring semester to talk about what that was like when you guys were transitioning to learning online. Specifically, I'm thinking in performance classes. I know at least one of you were in Meisner. Were you both in Meisner? Just Just me. Just one person. So Jasmine, you were in Meisner and Lulu. Were you taking any performance-based classes or working on any productions? I was in theories of performance. All right. So... Yeah, I guess I'll just open up the floor to hear about that from anyone who wants to jump in, what it was like having to go home or... Well, actually, I think the three of you stayed on campus for a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, we're kind of a unique sample here because actually the three of us, me, Lulu, and Jasmine, ended up staying on campus for spring break and ended up applying to continue our studies on campus. So the shutdown happened as we were still there and we were... In the end, just about 30 students who ended up remaining on campus during this time. And so got to have 
both the slow realization that classes weren't going to be the same and got to experience the remote classes. But I was personally trying to continue my set design because we still didn't know whether or not that show was going to be shut down or whether it was just going to be postponed or whatnot. And so that was a very real on-campus tangible thing that was certainly affected by the pandemic unfolding. But how was classes for you guys after things shut down? I think for me, it was more of coming to an understanding that it wasn't just me that had to adjust. It was also mm. the professors that had to come up with a whole new way of teaching their course. And because it was near the end, that's usually when a whole bunch of assignments come up for finals and everything. So I was trying to be patient, but it seemed like a lot of overcompensating happening. So yeah. All of the professors were assigning all of these assignments for theories of performance. Instead of performing them in front of the class, we had to record it and post it on mm. YouTube. So it was different, definitely. It was like a whole new way of learning how to manage your time. You know, when a pandemic hits mm. and everything changes and you don't know what the next day is going to be like because it could be, oh, today you can do this, but tomorrow, well, you're moving into another building. It's hard to stay motivated. You have to be able to come up with a new schedule for yourself and actually be able to stick to it, which is really hard. So for me, just staying on top of all of my assignments and feeling like doing them and feeling like doing anything was difficult. I did enjoy, for example, I was also in theories of performance, so that was frustrating because I knew it wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I'm like, I want the education I want, but of course, you know, there's nothing we could do. But I did enjoy making videos and editing them for theories. That was kind of like a bright side of that because I got to, you know, be creative in a different type of way. But like for my Meisner class, it did get kind of frustrating because it was just kind of like, read this thing that tells you how to do the exercise, but you have no idea if you're doing it right, and then just go do your best. And I really love our teacher for that class, but it was difficult because you're alone and you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, I remember during that time, I told one of the admins on campus, I said, I don't think I've ever seen administration or just faculty as stressed and frazzled as I've seen them. There, there was something, too, about the fact that education almost felt, as things were unfolding, like it was the last priority. I remember us, the first time we went to the grocery store, and nobody else was wearing masks and we had to figure out and kind of learn and decipher what's happening in the world what advice is being given how do we make do with the resources that we have and there was something that was so important about that even though a lot of the discussion was young people might not be affected as much as older adults it still felt like our priority still is how do we deal with making sure that we stay safe and definitely, I think when safety is the mix, it's hard to let education be your priority. And even though we were on campus in an environment where it should be much easier to have education remain that priority, it just didn't feel as possible. I remember in one of my sociology classes too, a lot of what I was getting out of that class was being able to have debate style conversations with people in the class and even with the teacher and the fact that we were no longer in the classroom ended up meaning that we didn't have that format of discussion and to me there were certain aspects of what the class had become that were no longer there that leading into the exam time just made it not fulfilling. 
Well, in Aries, I guess you were teaching theater to elementary school students. What was it like to go through that transition with the students there and the Columbus City Schools? With the elementary kids, it was just, it was a clear cutoff. So once the governor gave the mandate, what, March 13th, everything stopped. So that job was gone. The state of Columbus put the kids on a three-week spring break which gave them a buffer to figure out what was going on. And so the work that I was doing in college access allowed me to work from home for three weeks so we could figure out how to best serve the students. But then after that, everything else was remote. So, I mean, I was working on Secret Garden and then we went to spring break. I had planned to come back for a couple more rehearsals, but with the production being canceled, that didn't work out either. Was there ever any discussion about, specifically for the theater teaching, to possibly exist online? Was that something that they were going to try to do? They did do it. They just let everyone else go. So my supervisor and one of the other teachers who had been there the longest, they offered camps for kids. I think like maybe two to three camps a week. And so they each did that. But the rest of the other 10 teachers, they let go. So they did create summer camps that they could do online models for, but they reduced it down to two actual teachers, who I think one of the teachers is not even working there anymore. I think she's now working for her own logo business that I think she's doing full time now. Okay. But but yeah, I think they're they're trying to keep things alive and try to keep things virtual as best as people could. We got an email halfway through the summer like, hey, you know, hopefully we'll be back in the fall. And then we got another email a couple weeks ago, like, hopefully we'll be back in January. (laughs) Kind of just like, hey, if you're still going to be in area we'd like for you to come back and work but everything's so uncertain right now so who knows yeah i was just offered a job at a middle school here in wake county as a theater teacher and to me this is not the time i mean not not only does that not entirely fit some of the career trajectory that i'm currently on there's something that's so scary about that not only would you have to in some ways kind of develop a new type of curriculum, you're developing a new curriculum and trying to work with students and recognize that they are going through a really, really challenging time. And you're experimenting with a new format that, you know, Michael talked about an episode ago, right? Do we consider our teaching to be more film-based or are we still trying to construct the elements of theater and teach that in the classroom? How much does the does the course and the content really need to change? And I think that plus the safety risk was quite jarring. As a teacher, you usually don't get paid for any of that preparation work. My mom is a teacher and luckily our district is staying online for now and hopefully for as long as they should. But there's so much preparation work that needs to go into getting ready for teaching this semester but they don't get paid except for like three or four days before school starts. So it's kind of either do the work you need to do to be successful, don't get paid for it, or rush to do all of that work in the days you're actually going to get paid for it. So being a teacher in any field is just kind of a hot mess because you're either in danger because you're teaching in real life and there's still extra preparations you have to do that you won't get compensated for, or you're online and there's a bunch to figure out that you won't get compensated for. So it's just a hot mess and I'm glad you didn't take that job. (laughs) Well, and Lulu, I guess right now, you're gearing up to start going back to a job that you had last year. And that involves children and, and certainly some type of learning environment. In, in a sense. Are they taking precautions this year? And is that something that you're nervous to go back to? I'm going back, not next week, but the week after that. I haven't asked about the cautions that they're 
making, but they have been opened for, I want to say a month now. But so it was a before and after school care center. But now that some of the schools are online, some are doing different things, they changed it to full day care. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'll be working longer hours and it is, I want to say kindergarten through fifth grade. So obviously they know what's happening to an extent. But I'm just wondering how well they're going about this, you know. I know that we have to wear a mask unless we're eating, we're in the lunchroom, or out on the playground. But also, I just hope, I just hope they're doing it well enough for them to stay open. And how does that affect your living situation on campus? Since, like, Owu doesn't want people to go leave campus, but of course you have to do it because it's your job. Yeah, they said that they don't want people leaving campus, but also a lot of us have jobs. So we can't really control that. Just if we get tested positive, they'll move us to a different location. If we make contact with someone, then we have to quarantine for two weeks, but we won't be in like the Mm. quarantine house. And also, I have a roommate, and we were wondering if we could get moved into singles just because I'm going Mm -hmm. to be off campus three plus times throughout the week. And, you know, I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable just because I am working with kids and they're all coming from different locations. So it is a big risk, definitely. You talked about positive cases and things like that in quarantining and some of the cautions that OWU is taking. How has transitioning into classes this year been different than before? A lot of buildings, you know, like the econ building, business building, science building, are just trying to find classrooms big enough for people to be six feet apart. So a lot of professors have cut their class in half, so they're doing half the time with this amount of students, half the time with the rest. So they do have like desks and seats X'd off where you can't sit there. So everyone's spaced off. We have the mask. They have wipes and hand sanitizer. A lot of professors have chosen to do completely online. I have two courses online and two in class. I think OWU has like their set safety precautions, but also they've given the professors their own choice on how they want to deal with their classroom. Mm -hmm. Well, staying on classes, we have a unique combination and we're grateful for that. One of you, Lulu, as you just mentioned, you are on campus and doing an on-campus and online split for classes, but you, Jasmine, are still in your home doing everything online. And so uh, at some point we'll come back around to, you know, what's the difference about that? How do you feel about that? But I think we can start thinking about this year with just a general check-in. So how are you guys feeling? going into the school year. You've had your slight pandemic experience in the spring. Now you know what to expect uh, now that the fall has come around. How are you feeling? Are you excited for your classes? Are you not so excited? Do you feel like you're missing out on something? I mean, obviously you're missing out on something, but how significant is what you're missing out on? So I don't know, what are your just, what were your general feelings, you know, coming Mm -hmm. up to these last couple days and moving into classes, which actually started last Wednesday, uh, the last Wednesday before this podcast was recorded, of course. My feelings change from day to day. I know when we (laughs) did have online class during spring semester, my classes just straight up depressed me. I don't know exactly why, but being in class was just like, this is wrong. 
and it made me sad. But now I'm only sometimes sad. Some of my classes do make me happy because I'm like, oh wow, look at these familiar faces and let's all speak Spanish together. So that's good. It has been hard seeing people move in and everyone's together. And I'm happy with the choice I made to stay home. I think it was the right choice for me and my family. But it is like, oh, maybe everything could be okay with everyone on campus. And maybe I should have just gone to campus and I wish I could be there with everyone. So it is an adjustment figuring out how to stay close with all my friends and the people I want to be around that I can't be around. But I have been Zooming with a lot of people and trying my best to stay in touch. So yeah, it's just an adjustment and I'm figuring it out still. I think for me, because I just thought about this, it is wild because for me being on campus, I think classes are the least of my worries just because I am an out-of-state student and whether or not we will remain on this campus for the full semester is a fat (laughs) question mark. And so I'm able to see the students who are really taking this seriously, they're wearing their masks, they're social distancing, like washing their hands, they're doing everything that they should be doing. But there's also a big group of people that could basically ruin it for everyone. And so the campus is trying to like send out emails saying, don't do this, like, please be aware of everyone you're putting at risk right now. And they're trying to say, if we catch you, you're going home. And I agree with that. If you catch the people that are not being responsible, send them home instead of sending everyone home, right? Because for me personally, it is my senior year and I did plan to stay in Columbus for at least a year after graduation. But if I don't have all my ducks in a row and they shut the campus down, then I might have to go home and mess up the job that I have lined up, the possibilities, the connections that I've made so far. So yeah. Yeah, we can't let that happen. (laughs) Owu is now like setting consequences for if you don't follow the rules. And I'm just scratching my head thinking about why they didn't say these things from the beginning, from the time they said, we're going back, here's our plan, here's how we're gonna stay safe. But they didn't say anything about how they're enforcing it because I guess they were just hoping that everyone would go along with it. But I think they're a little too optimistic and I just wish they had set these consequences way ahead of time so people knew what they were getting into and maybe even someone like me who was on the fence about whether or not I should go back if I had known this is how you're dealing with people who don't follow the rules I might have gone to campus because maybe it would have been okay I don't know if it's going to be okay but that would have made me feel much safer about going back because I would have known okay, here's how we're having a contingency plan and keeping everyone in line. Shucks. Yeah. My dad's a chemistry professor at NC State, and they just started their school year back. And they had taken all sorts of precautions because obviously in the chemistry department, you know, big lecture hall full of students, and they limited the number of students. So I think the lecture hall he was teaching in could fit like 120 students and there were only like 40 who were going to be in the class and students had the option to either be remote or in person and they got through 
almost a week and a half's worth of classes. And just the other day, he came home and was like, well, I'm going to be teaching from home now because there were so many parties in Greek life that there were over 400 plus students who ended up needing to be quarantined after one week. And it's not just NC State, there are now several other campuses who are dealing with the consequences of a small group of people's actions, but then ultimately has an effect on everybody. Yeah, people are stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely true. The thing that's on my mind, actually, last week or our last recorded podcast, it's tough saying time because obviously these are going up at a later date. We have a couple podcasts recorded, so we're we're saying time, but it means nothing to the people that may be listening to it. in a more literal sense. But one of our podcast topics so far, we were talking about peer critique, and then that came up this idea of the feedback loop, right? You practice and then you get a lot of feedback and then you put that to work again, essentially a continuous loop of practicing, getting feedback and then practicing again. And so one thing that really interests me now, especially for you, Jasmine, you know, of course you're totally online, so you have no access to the student body and the sense of working together with them in a classroom without going out of your way to set something up for yourself. But even for you, Lulu, who you, you know, you have that mix and y'all are working through, the professors are working through, how do you create a mix of in-person meetings with online in a way to best keep everybody safe? Will you get enough practice or will you essentially spend a semester of time in which you have these theatrical skills and they're rusting because you don't have to do tech or you're not doing tech or you're not performing with other people and and, you know kind of like game day conditions i guess is a good analogy where you're really actually physically talking to someone on stage and interacting with them and going through blocking do you feel like you're missing out on some time that is integral to helping you improve as a theater practitioner And I guess an additional question that might help qualify your answer a little better is what do you want to do in theater? That that answer might be different for someone who wants to be a producer versus Mm -hmm. a performer versus uh, a technician. That is a great question. I'm honestly trying not to think about it. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't know how much time I should be spending on what ifs because this is what it is. But I, I guess I do feel like I'm missing out on opportunities that I could have had if we had a normal school year. Luckily, I'm not taking any theater classes, so I'm kind of doing all of like the work that I don't even want to do online, so I'm not missing out too much. But, you know, I do want to act and direct and stage manage and do technical stuff and design. I want to do everything, and so I'm not getting any practice at that. I'm not getting a semester's worth of experience I do think it'll be okay. I don't think it's the end of the world. A lot of people start doing theater later than I did. Like we all come from different experiences. So I don't think it's completely throwing me off track, but I do think that it would be better for me if I was spending this time improving. And I still can, but you're right. It's difficult to do that when I'm not surrounded by people who are doing the same thing as me, who can give me feedback. So I'm just trying my best to stay creative and stay helping myself improve. But I guess because of my situation, I'm trying not to focus too much on what I'm missing out on because it's not worth it for me to just be really depressed about all the things I'm not doing. So what I want to do is more on the production side of projects. 
So it's kind of a bummer because it is my last year here. I kind of wanted to make the most of it. That's one thing. I'm also not taking any theater courses this semester. So there's that. But also, I'm trying to look on the bright side of things. Things like this will happen, especially in all creatives lives in some fashion. So I think it's good that we have this time. This is something everyone can relate to because everyone's going through it. So I think especially because I had internships for theater companies lined up during the summer. Everyone was very understanding when I said I had to go home and I wouldn't be able to stay in Columbus to do the internships. So I think this is something that won't be detrimental to my future. One of the things about OWU's campus being a liberal arts campus is partly that even if we're not taking classes specifically in our discipline, there are so many opportunities for us to continue to get feedback or grow or participate in things. We typically have four main season productions each year and then additional senior projects or other club activities. And there are a lot of ways that we create our own productions or participatory theater activities that do allow us to learn. and. That's something that I know, for instance, Lulu, certainly the way that you talked about the work that you're doing really having an impact on that next step was something that I was thinking about with the design I did for uh, Secret Garden last semester. You know, that was my senior project. The biggest show that I have ever designed, we describe it certainly as operatic in scale. I mean, for those of you who know that production, it is certainly a beast of a design. And it was something that I was really looking at as my terminal degree project. And it was something I really felt I had put my all into. And to now feel like I don't have that going into the industry has been something that's a bit jarring to wrap my head around. One of the big pieces of feedback that I got from the professors was, even when you talk to other programs or possibly at some point talk to grad school programs, they will understand this time. But you know, there's still that eating in the back of my mind that really is saying, well, what if you did have that? would that make any difference in your future? And really, I don't know. And I don't know what's right to think about it. And I think at times I just kind of am trying not to think about it. And that's okay, because we can't control what happens or the future. We can just only control what's going on right now and do our best right now and hope that everything works out. And it will, hopefully. Or we'll all die because the planet is burning, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, either (laughs) one's a good option. Is Awu doing anything this semester that is providing some of those out-of-class production opportunities? I guess there's the piece that Aries, they brought you in to direct, right? Yeah, Awu is trying, emphasis on the trying, to keep production opportunities alive for the students. I won't get too much into the politics of it, but the general idea is to allow the students to generate material and to kind of tell their own story in response to what's going on in the world. So they reached out to me in July, I think, and said they wanted to do something and needed someone to kind of lead and facilitate it. And so that's what we're trying to do. It's hard because, I mean, there's a lot of students who aren't on campus. And I think even like with Jasmine and Lulu's not taking any theater classes this semester, it's also just very common at the current moment for people just not to be involved in theater. So, I mean, there's plenty of upperclassmen that aren't involved in the production who are not taking any classes in the department this semester and who don't want to participate at the current moment, either because they're remote or they're afraid or they're probably having a quarter life crisis and don't know what they want to do with their life. And so it's a difficult time, I think, for a lot of people working in the field. And I think we'll see a lot of people make a decision whether or not this is really something they want to go into. Mm -hmm. 
It's a weird time. It's kind of a trailblazing moment. There hasn't been a lot of live performance as we've seen this past six months. Everything has been recorded or they've been digging up live performances from years ago and streaming those online or people are doing Zoom things, uh, which they're doing live or recording. But there have not been a lot of things that have been done live. And so that is the goal. That's what I would like to do. So many things are just up in the air at the moment. So we're just trying to figure it out. Like Orcasis will be outside. Orcasis will be a lot of fun. That's the dance production that Obu is doing. And so I think they still have six choreographers, including Roshana. And then it will be recorded. And they're doing over like a three-week process. So they're going to perform over three weeks. And I think each choreographer will choose a different location for their dancers to perform in around campus or around the Delaware area so that they're not overlapping in space or rehearsal or even performance areas. So then the audience can also move if they choose to, if they choose to want to go to places. I think it'll kind of be like a choose your own adventure. I'm not sure, but you can like here are these locations where these dances are going on. Go and watch it here. Go watch it there. Go watch it wherever. But it will also all be recorded and put up somewhere. But yeah, so... Mm-hmm. That's what Obu is trying to do. With the people that are taking a little bit of a backseat, and I would guess maybe some are just trying to wait it out and hope for better things in the spring. I doubt it, but it's always good to have hope. But of course, that kind of reminds me of, again, another discussion we had a couple podcast episodes back where we were just kind of talking about why people are and are not engaging with more of the Zoom stuff or trying to create new avenues to make theater. And I brought up the potential mm-hmm. point of like, maybe it's just not what they like i mean it's very different from traditional theater being on the stage and i'm of the opinion of you can't really force i think i feel like it's different enough that you can justify people just not participating if they don't like it if they don't feel it's as fulfilling as what they're used to but i guess i'll open it to you lulu and and jasmine as well how are you guys feeling about those kinds of online performances are they a potential fix, a potential way to get in some of that training for yourselves? Or are you of the opinion that it's not quite the same and not quite worth going into or or somewhere in between? I participated in a Zoom performance of Sir John Oldcastle (laughs) over the summer. Uh, Josh did it too. Mm -hmm. Lulu was going to do it, but she had a life to live. (laughs) It's... (laughs) It was like a series of shows that are fabled to have Shakespeare's involvement in the writing process. I mean, I'm glad I did it because I'd never done anything like that before. It was very weird because it it was the first time figuring out how to act to my computer camera. And I'm not great at that in the first place. I'm way too big for a camera. I have to work on that. And see, that's a positive. If I continue to participate in these things, I have to figure out how to do that or do that better. So that was an experimental phase. I think going forward, I think there's definitely something cool that's going to happen with Zoom theater or online theater. I think there's a lot of opportunities for cool things. I was also involved in this theater company called Muggleby Theater that usually do theater camps over the summer that I usually work at. They did this thing called the Muggleby Theater Box where they make each kid who signed up to participate a little box full of makeup and costume pieces and things to make a little set out of. So it's kind of a make it yourself theater 
thing. And then they hired me and some other people to do instructional videos. So I choreographed two numbers and then I did a little like warm up video for acting and dancing that I sent in and they edited. So each week had a different theme and they had a bunch of instructors help with learning the music and then the choreography for the showstopper number. And then at the end of the week, the kids can come up with whatever they want. They just have prompts and things to get them going and then if they would like they record themselves doing the showstopper number showing a costume design they did for that week and they send that in and then the company shares it with everyone who's involved in the camp so it's kind of like a here we'll give you this and then you share what you came up with and i think they're continuing it into the fall with more classes but i think it's a cool way to continue to do theater of course, the stakes aren't as high to create something, you know, polished and good. It's just kids making their own stuff. But it's a way to get people to be creative and produce a production of their own. For me, I can definitely see how different it would be compared to in-person rehearsals. But I do agree with trying it like the show must go on and in the future when everything is coming back safely I think people will be able to watch it and see how really cool it was there could also be parts in it where it worked out better online than it could have in person I know I wasn't able to participate in any of the zoom performances that A lot of people had, which I appreciated, but I was watching some of them, a lot of comedic moments. (laughs) It was amazingly funny online than it would have been if they were in person doing it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it can add another layer. Uh, A lot of things are taken from it, from the experience, but it also has its good elements. Doing theater online is a reminder of the accessibility or the lack of accessibility that a lot of theater can have, especially Broadway shows, you know, they're expensive and you can love theater or maybe be interested in loving theater, but if you can't afford to go to New York and see a show or even see a show but think that could never be me, like, you know, it's not right. So things like Hamilton going on to Disney Plus, I think that's pretty cool. Like. You do have to pay for Disney Plus, but it's not the same as paying for like a million gazillion dollar ticket to Hamilton. So I think it's just proving that there are ways that we can make theater accessible to everyone and we should. So hopefully there's something we can learn from this experience going forward so that theater is not only accessible to the people who have money. One thing I've been thinking about on the note of accessibility is the idea that not only is going and seeing and experiencing theater something that traditionally has had barriers to accessibility, but even producing Mm -hmm. theater. I know a lot of students, both before and certainly throughout or after their educational experience, may have the opportunity to participate in community theater, professional theater, etc. And even things like being able to get to rehearsals is something that's very significant, right? What does it mean to not have a car? What does it mean to not have the same access to public transportation in every place? And then also the ability to be able to work 
on a set that might not have been constructed for non-able-bodied individuals, right? There are so many different barriers that have been addressed in different types of ways with this Zoom environment. And I, I think that's really quite fascinating. Here in Zoom, you can have a performance that's delivered to an audience that has subtitles. That's something that's really complicated to set up if you're doing it in a live space. So there are certain things there that I do hope we learn from as well. I think it also creates actually an interesting, different accessibility problem. Not accessibility, I suppose, in the same sense. But for people creating those performances, I feel like there's less of an opportunity for random people, I guess, people that they don't know, that don't have that they don't have relationships with to get access to those opportunities. Mm. Because thinking about if I would ever do something over Zoom to play with the form, I mean, I'm going to think about who do I know, right? Who are my friends? Fair point, yeah. Mm -hmm. Who do I know that's reliable, et cetera, et cetera. It's not quite the same as having open auditions. And I feel like despite the different Zoom performances that have existed, I've never heard of a Zoom open audition or even someone posting, we're going to do the <laughs> Zoom show, talk to me if you're interested. And for understandable reasons, there's a difference in terms of reliability. How are people's internet? Will they show up or will they not? I feel like it's very different versus when you have to like actually meet someone and, and make a real world in-person connection with them. It's probably easier to flake out on shows. And I think that pushes people more to the people that they know. But it also strikes me that that is a loss of opportunity mm -hmm. for other people. I think you're right that that is a challenge. But I mean, I'm part of this Facebook group called Bay Area Theater Folks and people just like post things in there like I have these costumes or here's an audition thing and I have seen open call auditions for online theater things. I don't know how successful they've been but what it seems like to me is that the people on that page who respond are people who really want to do it even if like they're not friends of whoever's organizing it and so it seems like they won't flake. So I think there's two sides to that. I think that it is happening, but you're right that not as many people will be responsible who are outside of like someone's close friend group. But mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm not even worried about people themselves being responsible versus perception. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking. More so another person's perception or even my own perception of, you know, if I ask this person to do so, will they do so? Right. And I think it's, it's more of a, a personal comfort thing based yeah. on who people will reach out to more than whether people will actually flake out. That's less of a fear of mine. But, you know, when you address things like that and you understand them, that means you can create opportunities for other people. And so maybe I will open, I won't, maybe I would open up to people I didn't know for a more full production versus just practicing around and, and playing with things. And that might be a way that I spend my time. And I guess that'll bring me to my final question, the final thing that was on my mind. In terms of spending time, we all went to Owu. We remember the many hours that we spent there, sometimes till midnight, sometimes past midnight, though legally uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> we left at 11.59. Uh, always. I've never, Every night, yeah. I've never been there past 11.59 <laughs> in my life. And you certainly couldn't prove it. <laughs> I have no... <laughs> Well, yeah. What are you doing with all that free time now? You have hours, hours upon hours upon hours. Is there something theater-wise that you want to do, or are you just relaxing and waiting out the storm? Well, there's already a lot more homework than I anticipated, so that is actually already taking up a lot of my time. But it's probably my fault, because I'm probably like working too hard and I should be skimming or something. Anyways, I'm doing yoga every day. 
and I've been practicing a lot of Spanish on the Duolingo app. Not as much now because I have actual school. I'm also door dashing, so I'm making money.、Kay. I'm trying to write something for Intersect. I don't know if it's gonna work. Okay, that's all for me. For me, I you know I'm <laughs> trying to finish out this senior year. The senior projects are still a thing. I had originally planned to do a workshop for kids to come here, but that's obviously not safe. So、mm. reworking that or starting with a whole new plan—that's really what I'm doing. That sucks. But、mm. I'm keep I'm keeping good energy, positive energy, good thoughts. You know, all good things. Yeah,、mm-hmm. it strikes me that that might be the fact that there's not going to be as many projects taking up your time will be a nice thing to have a little more. Free time because I feel like every year we were incredibly stressed, but also every year we would get incredibly stressed and say, "I'm tired of doing work," and then a break would come up and we'd have nothing to do and we'd be sick of it. So <laughs>、yep. I don't know. You're so hoping that you find your balance between disgustingly busy、mm-hmm. and enough free time to, you know, not want to. I was gonna say jump off a bridge. <laughs> cut outable. I'm not sure.、Uh, we're gonna cut that out. <laughs> but I guess. Actually, that's something I have been thinking about. I was emailing Ed because Ed and I email. I, in the past, have had an unhealthy relationship to the department for reasons that you all know about, mostly because of one person. And I am very happy that I have this time away to reframe my relationship. And to reframe how much I want to put into a place that doesn't necessarily serve me the way it should. So I am grateful for that, for this little step away from theater. It doesn't mean I don't want to work hard and I don't want to put my all into things, but I think it's important for me, at least, to have this time to look at my relationship to how I was operating in the theater and what was unhealthy. And what was healthy, so that when we do hopefully go back, I am in a better place. Like I can function as a normal human person and not like cry all the time about the department falling apart. You know, I don't want to do that anymore. So there's that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, absolutely. You make a great point that this break can be looked at as some time to reflect. To distance yourself so you can think about how you interact with whether it's a specific theatrical department, whether it's theater itself, whether you want to take this time to look at what is theater to me. I think this is one of the best opportunities to figure that out because you can't do it the, the way that you always did it. You can't just say, "Well, this is theater because it's always been theater." Now you can start to figure out what is important to me. What do I have to have to bring to these other formats like Zoom? Things of that nature for it to truly feel like I'm doing this thing that I love, and if nothing else, that's a great reason to look at this time as an unplanned, unpredicted, beneficial break, and to frame it as a positive thing that'll keep your love for theater strong instead of something that will weigh on you or bring you down in any way. Yeah, and I think that's a great note to end on. I want to thank you, Lulu and Jasmine, for joining us. We could not have done this episode without you. We needed your perspective, your ideas, as always. 
And with that, you can find us on Twitter at Imperium Podcast. That's I-M-P-E-R-I-U-M Podcast. Give us your feedback. Are there things in this episode that you were intrigued by or are personally going through? What does Zoom theater mean to you? Do you think that the year will continue? And what impact do you think this will have on theater education in the future? We love to hear from you guys. Do we have a sponsor? Sponsored by no. Zoom. This was brought to you by... No. <laughs> brought to you Sponsored by... by Studio oh. Link. <laughs> Brought to you by can we lie about the sponsors we have? <laughs> yeah, you I've can never, lie. You I've just... never known if that was a, a legal issue or not. Because I would absolutely pick a different sponsor per uh, week yeah, that we, we have absolutely to, don't have. Brought to you by Jeff uh, Bezos. <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe someone else. Um, you can add a sponsor or Glenn. <laughs> Glenn Vanderbilt. Maybe Ooh, they'll yeah. send us some money if they do. Yeah. But all right, obviously we've gone past. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. We will be back next week. Talking about something. Nice.